Hello everyone, welcome to This Week in Cardano, your go-to source for all the significant events that are happening in the Cardano ecosystem. So, let's get started. Hey Laura, what is happening in the Cardano ecosystem? Hi everyone, so yes, we have prepared four topics for you today. First one is the MinSwap sandwich attacks they were suffering from last week. Afterwards, we will look into the Lace Wallet launch and the Flag Finance Testnet launch. So uh, we see two launches last week, lots of development activities going on there. And last but not least, we will talk about Muesli Swap and their organic APR. And in this context, we will also talk a little bit about automated market makers and impermanent loss. <laughs> so let's go. Before we go into really deep into the topic, let's start discussing, uh, let's go to the basics and uh, let's have an understanding of how the market works and what AMMs are, what order books are, and um, topics like that. So, uh, Laura, uh, can, can we uh, like how somehow differentiate AMMs and order books and uh, how all this decentralized and traditional markets function? Maybe we can dig a little bit deeper into that topic. Yes, so um, for me, it's still a little bit complex, I have to say. So that's why mainly it's easier to start looking at traditional finance, which is more common, and then make a switch over to um, decentralized finance, which often in the first step tries to mirror existing CeFi products. So maybe we can try to make some relations here. <laughs> so exactly. from my understanding, um, yeah. So from my understanding, um, Traditional finance um, is um, um, in order to uh, buy or sell any asset, um, you go via broker or market makers. So market makers help to um, make trades and uh, to make markets efficient. So bids and asks are placed uh, via a market maker in an order book. So those two things are uh, kind of um, stabilizing and structuring markets and um, helping to yeah, sell and uh, buy um, commodities. So how can we now look in, in the decentralized finance world? How is this mirrored there, Suraj? So uh, first of all, I think there needs to be a bit more clarity in a sense that how a market maker really functions. So in a traditional finance, uh, when you want to buy or sell a commodity or uh, an equity, you go to these exchanges and submit your order. Either you want to buy or sell it. When you go so to when market you want to buy something, you go to a market maker and he sells it to you. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so this is how it functions. So when you want to really uh, buy something, the market maker would sell it to you. And when you want to sell something, the market maker would buy it from you. So yes. The market maker makes a profit by uh, selling uh, a commodity to you uh, in a slightly higher uh, rate than the market rate. And uh, when you want to uh, sell something, market maker would buy it from you in a slightly lower rate than the market rate. So this small yeah, spread... It's, it's like is, a wholesaler, right? It's like a wholesaler, an intermediary matching buy and sell orders on the market. Exactly. To make so it this short. Is how, exactly. So they basically provide the liquidity and the market functions. They make a small spread uh, in these trades, and that is the profit that may make, actually. So this is how a normal market functions in an order book model. There are two assets. You know, you can either sell or buy it, and these orders get matched, and the, uh, the market functions. So when we had decentralized markets, in a sense that 
uh, Ethereum provide the smart contract capability, you had ICOs, you had all these tokens, you needed a platform to trade these tokens. And somehow it was not possible to implement the same model in a decentralized way, in the same model how a market functioned in a decentralized way on Ethereum. And that's how um, Uniswap uh, came up with this AMM, like an automated market maker model, which functions on a constant product formula. So automated market makers need liquidity pools to function. So liquidity pools can be said as a market. So liquidity pools provide the function of market maker in the sense that when you submit an order to buy something, uh, that order get executed with the help of liquidity pools. When you want to sell something, that also it works in the same way. So you have like traditional markets functioning in an entirely different way and decentralized markets functioning in an entirely different way. The problem is that these traditional markets are much more efficient in the sense that order book model is much more capital efficient than how it is done in a decentralized markets with the like in AMMs. So you had like basically two big problems, right? Slippage and impairment loss. Okay, so what is slippage actually? Slippage is the difference between the anticipated price and the actual price when you do a token transaction. And it is highly related to the depth of the liquidity of a DEX. And um, impermanent loss, uh, yeah, put it simple, it's impermanent loss is the difference between holding a token in an AMM and holding them in your wallet. And since uh, liquidity pools are um, associated with so much risks, I really ask myself, why does it make sense and not just holding them in my wallet, but putting them into an automated market maker? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, who, would, um, who would put out so much risk instead of just holding and staking your uh, tokens? Does it make sense, Suraj? No, uh, yeah, it's a really complex topic in a sense that when you have to provide liquidity to a liquidity pool, there is this uh, loss that you can incur, uh, like impermanent loss. Impairment loss, as you said, basically, simply said, it's the difference between the value of, you know, if you would have held those tokens in your wallet and once you supply that into the liquidity pool and take it back, the difference between the value of what should it have been once uh, when it was in your wallet and when you get it back from the liquidity pool. So when you supply liquidity to the liquidity pool, you don't actually supply your tokens. You are actually uh, supplying a percentage of tokens altogether in the liquidity pool. And as this price of these assets are volatile, it, the tokens, the assets has to be matched one-to-one, -one, but it cannot be matched one-to-one -one for a longer period of time because of the difference in the price. All these assets are uh, volatile. So if you supply two assets whose price are going in two different ways, the pool somehow has to match these assets depending on the price over course of time. And the whole ratio changes in a sense that the whole dollar value changes. And when you take it back, you may actually get a lower value than you supply. So in that sense, you may incur that loss. And this is a big problem and not a lot of people, I, of course, a lot of people talk about it, but the problem is so big that there was a report that uh, last year, uh, liquidity providers in Uniswap lost over 100 million USD. So that is a big loss in the sense that uh, you try to participate in the market and you make such a big loss. 
not a lot of people yeah. talk about yeah it also explains probably why we don't see so many institutional traders in this area right because exactly. the exactly. traditional model of order books and market makers is still more efficient so why putting my um dollars then in such a high risk and volatile um financial construct right this is uh, probably uh, all the retail institutional um, investors are keeping out of that game right now is it is it true so this is very true that institutional investors don't really participate in these uh, defi opportunities or like risks as you can make call it because if you see the wall street uh, participate in a really sophisticated market and uh, they really make money and if there's an opportunity to make money even in decentralized market they will participate in the decentralized market but as of now it is not a money making proposition for them because if you see that almost 50% of the liquidity providers lose money and almost uh, 100 million is lost last year in providing liquidity to uniswap that means these markets are not yeah. efficient and you need an efficient market to expand this into a global financial platform because you cannot exist as a global financial you can you can't say that oh we are building a global financial platform but you have very inefficient markets so that's uh, when we have to go to the core of the problem so what do you think is the core problem is that so basically when we started with decentralized markets on ethereum it has this account based model which and amms were optimized or what they could build on an account based model and this these systems are inefficient things inefficient models and we we have not tried something uh, different till uh, cardano came with this eutxo model and after uh, vasil had fork it enabled uh, real capabilities to build sophisticated system on top of it so uh, eutxo model allows uh, from a ledger perspective this uh, order book kind of you know trading uh, platforms and yeah. you can also see that kind with mysliswap exactly mysliswap is a hybrid dex that somehow combines order book to liquidity pools it is uh, still more efficient than an amm in the sense that mysliswap can still match uh, bid and asks and also use the liquidity pool so there is an inefficiency that uh, in a, in the system because when you use a liquidity pool it is capital inefficient but uh, eutxo model can actually enable like sophisticated trading platforms that uh, uh, for example like axo trade that is coming up i mean there is a lot of hype about this protocol so we really have to see uh, when the product is there that it functions as it is uh, promised and if it functions at its promise this will be like a really game changer okay so since we have talked about lots of other topics or related topics uh, more or less let's come back to our initial question and look at um, the organic apr of muesli swap and how it will incentivize users to pro provide liquidity to liquidity pools how so, does it uh, work suraj how is so it connected to yield farming so let me share my screen Yes, please. So, um, so with um, APR and liquidity pools, the problem is, so you have impairment loss on one side. So the way you make profit is that you get um, the trading fees, a part of the trading fees, and um, and uh, some other incentives. The problem is that, and the incentives are capped uh, for a liquidity pool normal normally, and 
if a few people participate in that liquidity pool, they get high returns. And as the number uh, the number of participants goes higher, you make low and low returns. So when a lot of people are participating, basically you wanna basically yeah. you wanna keep liquidity pools in secret, right? So <laughs> probably secret. don't spread it. <laughs> so that there's no liquidity that the few people who participate have then high returns. <laughs> no, not secret, but in a sense that there is an <laughs> there's a disincentive for participation. That is that is the problem. Yes. In a sense that when more people are participating, you have to share that capped uh, incentives with a lot of people. When less people are participating, it is more attractive. So that's uh, that's why Mystery Swap came up with this organic APR plan. So organic APR basically means that as the number of participants increases, the uh, incentive also increases. So that uh, is actually the organic APR thing. So that it, it means that as the liquidity in the liquidity pool increases, the APR also goes high. And it, it will eventually be capped at some level, but it, it, allows, it allows the growth of the liquidity pool in an organic way. And... Uh, But the other problem still exists in the sense that, you know, you have impermanent loss and you have to see how efficiently this system would function in the next couple of months to see how good it uh, will become. I think um, if we look into Twitter, there are lots of different um, sentiments around this new um, organic APR. So some say it's an innovation and it's really improving uh, market efficiency. Others call it uh, have like lots of criticism for it so what do you think are the biggest uh, benefits and concerns when it comes to organic apr so one thing uh, is that you are incentivizing participation at least to a certain extent so you cannot inflate the participation to infinity but you are definitely uh, incentivizing participation to a certain level that will help in the growth i think uh, mm -hmm. mr swap already saw a certain growth in the liquidity pools um Okay. But the problem is, if this is like a scalable model, in a sense that you have these kind of incentives, but at the end of the day, you incentivize the people to participate. But are they really making profits uh, when you compare the losses that you make with uh, impermanent loss uh, that we don't know yet? Like the report with Uniswap, you only know this after a while in a, in a really when all the data is accumulated and then you compare. And last year, Uniswap liquidity providers made a, a loss of 100 million. And mm -hmm. so you have to see how the whole system works. Basically, what you understand is the way currently decentralized market works is inefficient. So that's why we think that we are really at the beginning of DeFi now. It is not a yeah. game that has already entered. We are still at the beginning There are still more things to discover. We are still waiting for efficient platforms, you know, like what, what yeah. Axo Trade promises. So we have to see how this thing goes. But as of now, we are just seeing these kind of developments and it's just somehow positive. Yeah. yeah. So let's see how it goes. Maybe it's like after the year of CNFT, next year will be the year of DeFi. So let's see. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. So yeah, let's go to the next talk then. So last week, the MinSwap team was alerted to a sandwich attack. The attack exploited the ordering process of the batching used by the DEX. So before we dig into the details of this attack, let's understand the concept of the sandwich attack first. So at the core, a sandwich attack is a form of 
front running, uh, which primarily targets decentralized finances and protocols and services around that. So the term front running refers to the process when someone uses technology to get prior knowledge of upcoming transactions. Often those are programmed bots who observe the market looking out for such transactions. And in these attacks, the traders or bots look for a pending transaction on the network and the sandwiching occurs by placing one order right before and one after this selected transaction. And in essence, the attacker will front run and back run simultaneously with the original pending transaction sandwiched in between. So Suraj, maybe you want to uh, go more into the details what happened at MinSwap. So uh, let me share my screen here. So, um, so basically, the, it was a sandwich attack, uh, and sandwich attacks are mostly perpetrated by bots. So usually, when you submit a transaction uh, onto the blockchain, it first goes to the mempool. So let's take here, for example, uh, Laura is submitting a transaction. Laura wants to get rid of her Hoskies and buy ADA by selling Hoskies. So Laura submitted a transaction for selling Hoskies and converting into ADA, and it goes to the mempool. And then the bot gets information uh, about those mempool, uh, uh, about the transaction. And then uh, it automatically submitted a transaction uh, which, which has a higher priority than Laura's transaction. Of, so the bot submitted a transaction of selling Hosky to ADA uh, with a higher priority than Laura's transaction. So that transaction goes before Laura's transaction. And then uh, the bot's transaction gets executed first. So that results in a bit, uh, uh, like, causes uh, uh, the price of ADA to go a bit up. And then Laura's transaction gets executed. So Laura does not get the same amount of ADA that she wanted to get uh, by selling her horse case because the price of ADA went a bit up and Laura's transaction gets executed. And then uh, the bought submit another transaction to sell ADA uh, after Laura's transaction. So basically what this attacker is getting is this spread between these two transactions. So the price of ADA uh, between the first transaction and the second transaction, that is the profit that the attacker takes uh, from this transaction. And that that is what actually the money made from this kind of attacks so if a board is programmed to execute this kind of trades many times a day at the end of the day you are making a profit a really uh, high amount of profit from these attacks and this itself is an incentive for such kind of attacks yeah, and, and in what case of i think what makes so interesting it's like a, a risk-free profit right so it's exactly. basically not associated with any risks so that's why it's such an attractive way of attacking dexas mm -hmm. Exactly. So the information about these transactions are public. So then if there's a way to front run these transactions, you can actually make a profit out of it. And mostly these kind of attacks are perpetrated by both. So in case of MinSwap, uh, MinSwap has uh, its own badger. So MinSwap is an AMM uh, DEX. And uh, when it gets implemented uh, in a UTXO kind of a ledger model of Cardano, you need... Uh, something called as batchers to batch those transactions and then submit it to the blockchain. So this is what happened with uh, MinSwap Dex. 
So MinSwap Dex has batchers uh, which uh, execute uh, with batch uh, the transactions that are submitted into the Dex and uh, then gets executed. So you need a batcher uh, for Dexes like MinSwap because AMM Dexes are uh, engineered for ledger models like account-based model for Ethereum. And when you have an EU DXO system, you need batchers to take those transactions, batch it uh, into an order so that one transaction does not cause the cancellation of other transactions so that basically they don't collude each other, each other and cause invalid transactions. So the batching uh, in MinSwap DEX uh, was made. Uh, so in a ledger, basically these transactions are ordered in a chronological order, like lexographical order based on the, uh, like a first in first out principle. And when a batcher take those transactions and batch it, they used to uh, make those transactions based upon the transaction hash. So in a ascending order. So a smaller transaction hash would go uh, ahead uh, than a longer transaction has. And that exactly was the uh, mechanism that was leveraged by the bot in front running the transaction of users. So now uh, the uh, MinSwap uh, team fixed those uh, problems and uh, maybe uh, Laura can explain how they actually fixed it actually. Yeah, like you already said, it's uh, the order of the transactions is not longer optimized for the transaction hash. Um, but now they changed it to a chronological order. So the transaction which went to the mempool first will also be the one which will be executed first. So it's basically like in logistics, you have the first in, first out, the FIFO principle here. Uh, this is what they also applied now to um, transaction processing. And this will solve the problem and hopefully will avoid any further front running and sandwich attacks in the future. And uh, during uh, we were watching those uh, Twitter discussions after those financial attacks, and uh, Yarek from Axo Trade actually came in and said that they have another solution that can eventually solve these kind of problems. But we have to wait and see how uh, that will go once Axo goes live. So I'm just waiting for uh, to see what kind of solution they have for this kind of attacks. Okay, let's look into our second topic. It's uh, the pre-production launch of the Light Wallet Lace. So uh, Lace Wallet is a new Light Wallet built by um, Input Output Global, IOG. Um, so as you know, there are full node wallets like Daedalus and Light Wallets like Nami, Flint or Lace now. And Light Wallets are more user-friendly um, and um, uh, more easy to use instead of a full node wallet. And the significance of LACE is that it will be the first light wallet implementation of Mithril probably, so that it will give a light wallet security like a full node wallet. That's the reason why it has been so much anticipated and the launch or the pre-production launch um, is such a big deal. And um, what is the goal of this um, of LACE wallet? Actually, currently it's built for Cardano blockchain. But on the long term, the goal is to make it blockchain agnostic because um, having a blockchain agnostic wallet will uh, foster interoperability, which is key to a widespread blockchain adoption and therefore lays plans to evolve to support many other blockchains along with a variety of cryptocurrencies. And I think, Suraj, that's very exciting to go like kind of cross borders. I mean... Of course, there are no borders, but this is what we often see. Things stay or are built for one ecosystem and having um, a wallet which is um, interoperable 
is um, is a good step in the right direction, I think. Yeah, that is a really good step in the right direction. So as you said, first of all, the integration of Mitral, which would eventually happen, may, may not happen like uh, I don't, we don't have really a timeline when that will get implemented, but first implementation of Mitral where a light wallet can have the security of a full node wallet. That makes, uh, it is one of the first of such wallets in the whole blockchain landscape. And eventually uh, when Lace can actually support many other blockchain assets like Ethereum, Bitcoin. So that in that way, Lace can be a, a wallet like Trust Wallet. It is not a card on a specific wallet, for, but a wallet that can be used by basically uh, anyone who wants to use any other blockchain. And uh, yeah, I think that is the uh, main uh, takeaway from a Lace uh, wallet. And uh, the key uh, thing is that when we talk a lot of interoperability, as of now, there is not a real blockchain to blockchain interoperability. But uh, this, uh, when that happens, Lace could be a platform that can be used to interact with many other blockchains. So the Lace Wallet launch was not the only launch we saw last week. Also, um, Flag Finance launched their testnet. What is Flag Finance? It's a real file platform that seeks to provide regulated financial services to users currently, especially in India. And it's, um, it's an interface between centralized finance and decentralized finance services. So um, it will be an integration with legacy financial systems to write regulated financial services to the users. And services are such as instant loans, earning yields, and paying for your everyday needs with a flag credit card or other advanced payment methods. And finally, you have the ability also to swap between supported cryptocurrencies, stablecoins, and your fiat so um, this is really a unique new development here, uh, building a bridge between CFI and DeFi. So maybe, Suraj, you want to go a little bit down the road um, and explain more details about FLAG. So as you know, uh, FLAG Finance uh, is built by a team uh, that, that has already delivered a couple of products in the Cardano ecosystem, like Cardano Scan or Typhoon Wallet. So... Uh, this is also a team based uh, in India. So basically, they are working in a regulatory environment uh, in India. So as you know, it is not that crypto-friendly. So their product is not actually the uh, DeFi platform. It is a step between CeFi and DeFi. And uh, this product could be actually uh, one of the first interactions for many Indians and other people uh, with crypto. And it it could be also a very user-friendly one compared to other DeFi platforms, but it also comes the risks uh, that uh, it can also help for adoption, but it also comes with the risk that uh, uh, centralized platforms can uh, have, uh, we have, as we have seen in last year, in the beginning of this year, that centralization is sometimes not the best way to take, but in this special situation in India, the environment they are working in, they are, taking the right steps to do what they can do. And uh, I'm really excited for this product, especially uh, see the reception, how it will actually go in India, uh, how the uh, how the reaction of people is, or if it will actually 
help some kind of adoption so a lot of questions are there a uh, lot of uh, expectations so i wish all the best for the flag finance team and uh, i hope that everything goes go fine yeah okay so that's it for this week in cardano we hope you like um, the topics feedback recommendations and suggestions are always welcome um yeah Write us some ideas in the channels. If you like the content and love the channel, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and follow us on Twitter for more detailed threads and deep dives also into technicals. Uh, if you know Suraj's account, you know there's lots of stuff to find there. And uh, we are looking forward to next week. We will have our first interview guests on next week and we are really excited to launch the interview section here. So yeah, see you then.